You're listening to GP Works, the podcast for and about general practice from the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Aileen Amara, and with me today is Dr. Deirdre Collins, GP in Kilcullen, County Kildare, and Chair of the Board of the ICGP. Deirdre, we're here in Kilcullen today, and the weather is very nice outside. Can you describe your practice to me, please? So my practice is at the moment a six-doctor teaching and training practice. It grew as many general practices in Ireland from... Um, its origin in 1988 when my senior partner Michael Kelly founded the practice I joined him after finishing training in 94 and thereafter we were joined by another college colleague Susanna Franca and as we moved into the 2000s and 2013 we became a training practice so from then on we have got to the point we are at today where three of these five doctors working in the practice are previous trainees. Uh, the two original partners remain and we have a GP trainee. And your catchment area is Kilcullen and Yeah, our catchment Surrounds. area is quite large. It's probably a large rural area as well as the small town. So we would very much go out into the countryside, um, Middle Kildare, West Wicklow. Um, we're bordered by Nason Newbridge as large urban centres on the north and on the west. So we would keep out of there as much as possible and concentrate on our own original footprint, which was found really the foundation of that is where Michael Kelly um, founded it in 88 and we've gone from there. And what encouraged you to become a GP? I know that as a, as an intern, um, I knew I wasn't staying in hospitals. So it was always about making my own arrangements. Um, I suppose I would have been influenced, if you think about it, by my own general practitioner, Michael Kelly at the time, and another man in Newbridge called Michael O'Connell. So I wouldn't have had a huge amount of contact with them, but they would definitely have been people in my in my world. But it was more so I was coming out of hospital. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to, to do my own thing. Um, I do joke and tell people that I actually, when I first started work, I used to work on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday leaving Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday for other entertainments. So that's where I started from. And I built from there, um, both in terms of working hours, but more more so in terms of responsibilities. And you're from around here, is that right? I was, well, I was born, as we all were in Dublin, but I would say I was born on the main street. I lived on the main street and I work on the main street. Dear, to tell me when and how and why you joined the board of the college and then became chair. So I was always involved locally with the faculty, organising educational meetings, various um, faculty meetings as we went along. I was also involved with the Out of Hours Co-op um, on the managing committee and as chair of that. Um, I went on council um, in 2017, 2018 time and then I was asked would I consider putting my name forward for um, nomination to the board. So joined the board in 2019. I was asked to chair the Education Governance Committee, which I did for four years. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, that was a time, obviously, we all remember the changes that were going on and education moved to blended learning platforms as well as the more traditional ones. So it was a very innovative time, great development, and it was great to be part of it. So when you joined the board, Dr. John Farrell, I think, was chair? Yeah, John had chaired the board for three years. Um, so John started um, in, in 2020. Um, so obviously his big challenge was steering the, 
the board through COVID times and the college, a job he did with skill and enthusiasm. And the other big item at that point was the transfer of GP training to um, to be fully under the auspices of the college. And that happened approximately two years ago now. So part as part of that, John also developed an excellent um, structure within which the chair worked with the senior leadership team um, to run the college. Um, so those structures I have greatly benefited from when I took over from him in June 23. And when you took over in June 23, you had particular aims, you had particular ideas focus of what you want to achieve as as chair of the board. Tell me about that. Well, being chair of the board, it's a significant responsibility. So while I'm enthusiastic to undertake the role, um, there is a certain amount of trepidation. It's a very responsible position. You are the chair of a board of a corporate organisation, which is a charity, has to stay within the rails on all of the regulations that pertain to that. And very much we are a membership organisation so we've got to keep those two things very much in our sights um, so for starters you need you need to chair the board um, and there's a very good structure in place with senior leadership and with the employees in college and with the you know the many doctors who contribute to college from all over the country um, you're looking at running board meetings you're looking at overseeing committees um I suppose the the guiding principle for all that is the strategy and the strategy was developed and launched earlier this year. It will run from 2023 to 2026 and it is from there that everything else stems um, all our other activities. So following on from strategy, um, the next aim is to continue to advocate for patients and for our members. Um, I mean, that goes into every aspect of what we do from education um, providing top quality education, training, getting the best trainees into the best training program that we can provide, advocating with the decision makers, making sure that the voice that general practice has gained over the last couple of years is still heard, is still clear, is still valid. Um, in all of that, supporting our members um, in their work um, which is patient focused. I used a phrase a week ago and I'm, you know, I think it's a theme that I'd, I, I, I would like to repeat, which is that GPs are where the patients are and we deliver care where the patients live. And that has to be our focus. So, you know, in us supporting our members, we're supporting communities, we're supporting patients. So we have an international view as well. Um, it's very important that we see ourselves as part of a worldwide family practice, general practice world. We'll have this opportunity in 2024 when we will host Wonka in Dublin. We're all looking forward to that. And then finally, we have an organisational um, structure um, in college that's stable, motivated and delivering on the college vision and strategy. You have said, uh, Deirdre, that one of your aims as chair of the board was to develop a leadership programme in the college. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so it's it's become certainly become a project um, for me. I became aware in talking to some GPs actually at Wonka, rural Wonka in Limerick, that there had been a leadership programme in the college in the early days. So college is going to be 40 years old next year. Um, and Early on, it was recognised that it is important to foster and sustain leadership. 
Um, so that set a process where we are moving towards developing a leadership uh, program specifically for general practice. Um, and it's very important that we look at it through that lens. There are other leadership programs around. Um, both in medicine and outside of medicine. So what we're looking to do is to do it from, but from a general practice perspective. So this leadership program, what would it look like? So general practitioners are natural leaders. We lead every day. We lead teams. We lead practices. Um, in the early days of the college, there was a leadership program. So as what struck me about that was people recognised that it's important to foster leadership not yes it happens naturally but you also need to work on it um there are some people who were still in college who benefited from that leadership program we're now 40 years on we need to to rebirth this um we have a wonderful younger cohort with our clinical leads with our program directing teams um we need to support and sustain this group but the third part of that is that we have to recognise that a lot of the people in, who, who, who take roles are those who will always put themselves forward for a position of leadership. Equally, there are people who don't put themselves forward. And that can be for many different reasons. They don't realise that they have skills we need. They may not feel that we represent them. Um, so it's really important that part of this leadership programme enshrines diversity as part of what we're delivering. Now, I'm coming at this, obviously, from a woman's point of view. And we know that while there are a lot of women working in general practice, they may not be as represented in leadership roles as they should be. But equally, there are other areas of society that we have to draw from, whether it's different ethnicity, different social background or a different route to general practice. And they also have to be represented in our leadership cohort. So what makes a good GP leader? So we can look at that from a couple of different perspectives, but I suppose the starting point has to be to have a clear sense of purpose, um, you know, a clear direction of travel. Um, it has to be a collaborative approach because we work as part of teams and this is going to be increasingly important as we move onwards, that we're leading a practice team or we're leading a community network team. Um, from the college perspective, it's important to have political awareness of where we sit within the healthcare system. And it's important that we bring our voice to the conversations that are, are being had. And we also need to be able to talk about what we do in an effective way and communicate it clearly so that people understand that general practice stands alone as a different part of healthcare, which delivers on the ground for patients. Um, we need to link up between each other so that we are linking as colleagues at a faculty level, at council level um, and with the college. And I think, the, you know, the most one of the most important things for me in all of this is that the skills that we develop as part of a leadership program would bring benefit to bear on our day to day life in practice as we lead a team and as we lead ourselves through our career and that we gain skills that keep us going and and, you know, these things will change as we go through our career and that we see a constant reward from our choice of general practice as our specialty. You used the word diversity earlier. What does that mean for you? Well, I suppose there's two aspects of that. There's the, the you know, the common view of diversity, which we are increasingly aware we need to address in all 
parts of our lives um, in terms of being representative of society. And we see it in the, you know, in the changing face of Irish general practice. I think the other aspect of diversity that's important for us to recognise in leadership is that general practice is a very diverse healthcare grouping. There's no two general practices that are alike. Um, They can be quite individual and so they can reflect very much the personality involved or the community involved. And so when the college is talking to its membership, it's very important that we have a, a very wide lens on all the different types of GPs that we are representing. Uh, autonomy, independence and self-determination are words I hear you use in relation to general practice and the gen- and the career of general practice. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I mentioned it earlier on when I said it was probably what drew me into general practice. So I suppose the for me, it's the ability to be my own boss. But we've got to be careful with the word boss because we're meant to be team leaders in general practice. So we have the ability, to, I used the phrase in the recent graduation, we, we, we're we allowed to determine where we work, how we work and why we work. So if we decide, as I did early on in my career, to only work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's just as valid as the person who is working five days a week. Um, we can mix it up. We can have daytime practice. We can have a teaching role. We can have a role like I have in college. And I think that's one of the, the great gifts of general practice, that flexibility, that independence and that self-determination that the specialty brings us. And I suppose it leads out of the conversation we had about leadership, um, which is, you know, the skills that you would gain in taking part in a leadership program will very much benefit you in your day in your daily life. Um, As part of that autonomy conversation, I suppose one of the biggest challenges that I would see from my colleagues is the feeling that they are no longer running their own show and that they are overwhelmed with work um, and overloaded. And there is no doubt that there are there are huge challenges on that. There are people who can't take holidays. There are people who can't take leave and there are people who just cannot manage the workload and that's something that I would like to open conversations on um, we can look at it from workload perspective um, but I think another way of looking at it is to talk about how we work so for instance I give an example from our own practice we take care of a group of vulnerable adults and we found that there was an increasing workload in taking care of them partly because of legislative um, demands you know, there were HICWA demands, thing, you know, lot, lots of challenges, staff turnover from their perspective. So we found that, for instance, every day we would be managing six or seven consultations with this group. We found it was becoming not possible in the day to day care of the patients. And in fact, the patients were losing out because they were not getting good ongoing care because they were coming ad hoc in emergency ways. So as a practice, we looked at it and we have now set up a team led by one doctor, a healthcare assistant and one of the secretaries. And they now run all of the interactions with those patients. The patients are getting better proactive care not reactive as much and we are managing our workload in a way that is so much less stressful than it was a year ago. So uh, in identifying that uh, problem and that issue for a lot of GPs what is the next step? 
So like I said, I would love to get back a sense of empowerment for general practitioners on this. And I would hope that the college will be part of that. We have many structures already in existence. We have our mentoring programs. We have our welfare programs. From the education side, we have an excellent management and practice program. Um, Maybe in future we would look at it from a workshopping point of view or the webinars. Just exploring ways that we can open our mind to an alternative way of running our day, running our practices. Because a lot of what we do, um, there is a a user-led demand in terms of the urgency for care um, and the appropriateness of care. And I suppose to go back to where we started, which is why did I go into general practice, it, it it would be great to get general practitioners back having a sense of empowerment, having a sense of an autonomy about their daily life and enabling them to lead their own team in the community with the support of college, with the support of the educational programmes and the clinical leads and all the other people that we have working with us. On that note, we'll wrap up. Thank you, Dr. Deirdre Collins, for joining us on this episode of GP Works. Remember, we have lots more episodes on our channel and you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Aileen Amara and thanks for listening.